One of the most exasperating arguments I ever got tangled up with revolved around the literal meaning of a phrase from our Lord's Sermon on the Mount. It's found in chapter 5 of St. Matthew's Gospel, and we were arguing, what does this literally mean? Our Lord said, quote, You have heard it, that it was said to them of old, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, that whosoever shall look on a woman to lust after hath already committed adultery with her in his heart. Close quote, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So anyhow, in this argument, I was insisting that our Lord meant exactly what he said, that indeed each man had to answer to Almighty God not only for the deeds he had done and the words he had spoken, but also the thoughts that he had entertained against God's holy law. So if a man was guilty of deliberately entertaining impure thoughts, he was indeed guilty of adultery before God. And to my great surprise, this drove my opponents totally wild. These guys, it was a group of Baptist seminarians, were literally yelling at me that there was absolutely no way that our Lord could be taken literally, since it was absolutely impossible for a man to keep from falling into such thoughts. Well, they didn't care much for my reply either, because I responded, well, if it's impossible for a man to keep from falling into those kind of thoughts, it's also impossible for a man to keep from falling into hell. I couldn't believe what they were saying to me. I couldn't understand how they could insist, and I mean insist and vigorously insist, that it was impossible for a man to control his thoughts. Is it difficult? Yes. Can it be a battle? Certainly at times. But impossible? No. And then it occurred to me, of course, it is impossible, naturally speaking. Thanks to Adam, we've been so damaged by original sin that without the help of God's grace, there is no way to keep from falling into sinful thoughts. After all, to some degree, naturally speaking, we're all proud. To some degree, naturally speaking, we're all lustful. To some degree, naturally speaking, we're all angry. To some degree, naturally speaking, we're all greedy and covetous. To some degree, naturally speaking, we're all envious. To some degree, naturally speaking, we're all slothful. And to some degree, naturally speaking, we're all gluttonous. We all suffer, to some degree, from the seven deadly sins. And it's not a newsflash, of course, to us as Catholics that we can sin by our thoughts, by entertaining us. After all, when we say the configure, we talk about sinning in thought, word, and deed. We learned that in our catechism. We all know that we can even commit mortal sins of thought. If it's a serious matter, it has to be something serious. We have sufficient reflection, so we realize, you know, this is a serious matter. And then we have a full consent of our will. Everybody knows that, or should, from their catechism when they're a child. So given that, and given the fact that without grace it's impossible, and given the fact that we live in a world that isn't making it any easier in a lot of these, to keep away from a lot of these occasions of sin, learning to control our thoughts isn't just important. It's a salvation issue. So I want to make absolutely sure that everyone leaves here today with a crystal clear idea of the techniques you need to use if you're presented with temptations, with sins of thought, a clear way, a clear idea of the te techniques you need to use to 
fight off temptations, and prevent falling into any sins of thought. All you parents should pay a special careful attention to this so that you can teach this to your children. And you young people, I want you young people to listen to this. I'm going to speak much of this to you. You need to get, pay attention to this now. If you get this technique down at this point in your life, you'll be able to avoid a lot of heartache and disaster later on. These techniques work for all the deadly sins. So let's get practical and we'll break down the problem into a few basic steps. First, what do we do right when we're being tempted? And second, how can we prepare ourselves beforehand, before we're being tempted? So first, what do we do right when we find ourselves being tempted? Okay, let's imagine some guy just sitting here who suddenly finds himself with a temptation against purity. First step, call on the precious blood. Now what does that mean? That means the man says a little prayer. It doesn't have to be out loud. It doesn't even have to be under his breath. It can even just be a mental prayer. But you should say a little prayer that runs along these lines. Now, you don't have to have the exact words, but this is the meaning. Precious blood, wash over me and protect me from the wickedness and snares of the devil. All right, young people, I want you to memorize this. Precious blood, wash over me. Precious blood, wash over me and protect me from the wickedness and snares of the devil. Why would we do that? Why that particular prayer? Because this prayer will drive away the devil. Remember that demons can tempt us by introducing Im images into our imagination. They don't have to be just pictures, of course, as we remember from learning about imagination. They can be feelings, they can be uh, uh, sounds and so forth. They can get us agitated to some degree. Calling on the precious blood will drive away the devil. Even if a man is not in the state of grace, this prayer still works. Why? Because Christ our Lord shed his blood for all men, for the sinners, okay? So pray, precious blood, wash over me and protect me from the wickedness and snares of the devil. And if the temptation is demonic, it'll go just like that. It'll be instantly gone. You won't even believe it if you've never done this before. It'll be gone so quick you'll almost start laughing. I guarantee it. It works every time. If it's from the devil, it'll be gone just like that. It takes that quick. Okay, so first. Precious blood wash over me and protect me from the wickedness and snares of the devil. That's step one. Step two, the guy should pray, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria Goretti, guardian angel, help me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria Goretti, guardian angel, help me. That's to call on the heavy artillery from heaven, okay? Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria Goretti, guardian angel, help me. Now we've done the praying at the level of grace. It took me a lot longer to explain. It only takes an instant to say these prayers. It's all of a piece. Then, you've got heaven involved. Now you have to do your part. That means that the man has to shift the image in his imagination. He's been bothered by impure thoughts, so his passions, his appetites, are moving towards a pleasurable good, but they're an immoral pleasurable good. He has to place a different image in his imagination. I always suggest canoeing since I'm from Montana. It doesn't have to be canoeing, but it needs to substitute the image or the temptation the image with an image of something that's pleasurable, that's easy to imagine, that's easy to picture, it's very enjoyable, and has absolutely nothing to do with the temptation. Why is it important to imagine something enjoyable? Because right now his appetites are moving towards an enjoyable good, but it's morally sinful. So it, rather than try to control them too, he just lets, doesn't worry about the passions. 
put an enjoyable good that doesn't have any sin attached to it. So the appetites will still move, but it's towards something legal, a legal pleasure, so he doesn't have to fight two things at once, his disordered passions and a temptation at the same time. Just move it over, and then the passions are moving towards something pleasurable. That'll thwart the temptation. So quick review. He's being tempted against purity. As soon as he realizes it, he prays, Precious blood, wash over me. Protect me from the wickedness and snares of the devil. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, Saint Mary Goretti, guardian angel, help me. Then he moves the image in his imagination to something pleasurable, which probably has something to do with Montana. Okay. Now remember, as long as we're fighting... We're not sinning. This could last for a day. Heaven forbid, but you could be struggling with these kind of thoughts or temptation for a day or even days. As long as you're fighting, there's no sin. It has nothing to do with how long the temptation is there. The temptation is a means to grow in holiness if you don't give in. So it's not a time thing. It's if you're fighting, if you're not giving up, you're growing in grace. And, but you got to say your prayers because your position is being overrun. It'd be like being on the DMZ in Korea and the whole Chinese army comes. You better call for help. This is happening. You're not strong enough. Thanks to Adam, you can't handle this. You have to have precious blood and heaven on your side. And then you move the images over and you keep fighting. As long as we're fighting, we're not sinning. That's what we do right at the moment. Second part. What should this man do beforehand to prevent falling into these sins? To keep from falling into sins, have to remember, always remember that we're at war and we're trying to get to heaven. That means we have to conquer the enemies who are standing in the way of heaven and stay in the state of grace at the same time. To the degree that we're serious about conquering the influence of our enemies, and there's three of them, the world, the flesh, and the devil. To the degree that we're serious about conquering those enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, to that very degree we'll grow in holiness to that very degree will gain mastery over temptations and sin. So we'll take a brief moment to look at how to defeat each one of these opponents. We'll start with the devil. We already saw one technique, calling on the precious blood to wash over me. You don't wait until there's a temptation. I've told you what to do in it. I do it all the time. You can do it right now. You should just try to cultivate that as a habit. So an odd moment just comes into your mind and you call... You're getting him out of the picture. He's out of the equation as long as you're doing it. That's why our Lord shed his precious blood. That's the only one that can protect us. We can't protect ourselves from demons, but we call on heaven and they can. Okay, so precious blood. Use holy water. Using holy water is like declaring an all-out thermonuclear war against the devil. I sprinkle it around in my room and all over every night. I use a lot of holy water. It's important. They're out of there. That's why we have holy water. That's why it's right there and you can get it. Okay, holy water. Here, or where it around your neck, or carry it in the pocket. Hold on to it, or press on it if you get nervous and tempted. Pray your rosary and pack it with you. It has a blessing, so even where it's packed or where it's set, it'll keep the devils away. Say your prayer to St. Michael. You should use blessed salt in all your cooking. One of these weekends, I'll just make, I'll, I'll give you enough warning. And everybody should bring in salt and have it blessed. You should be using blessed salt in your house, especially in the funny times we're living in. Okay. And your blessed candles, too. All right? All these things keep them warm hell where they belong, all right? And away from us. So, precious blood, holy water, crucifix, rosary, St. Michael prayer, blessed salt, and blessed candles. Those all keep the devils away. So we got him out of the picture. Second problem, the world. Now this is such a big problem in this 
anti-Christ culture that we live in that we can only cover a little bit of the worldly influences. But look, as Catholics, if we're serious about getting to heaven, we better start waking up and smelling the sulfur. We can't keep our feet in both camps. When we go to confession, we promise to avoid sin and the near occasions of sin, and those shouldn't just be words. We've got to be serious about it. Start eliminating the near occasion of sins. Okay, well, just for today, I'll just draw to your attention for your meditation, the media, the influence of the worldly media. It is a giant propaganda operation, and it isn't working on the side of the Holy Father, the saints, and angels in heaven. The world media, it's serious about limiting the amount of worldly music you hear. Quit reading worldly books and magazines. Be darn careful about the shows or videos you watch, and don't come up with this stupid excuse what's well, only got a few sinful scenes in it. If I had a box of decon right here, that's rat poison. I could read you the ingredients. It's about 98% food. It's the 2% warfarin that'll kill the rats. Nobody here would eat decon, but it's 98% all right. There's just a few little parts that are poison. Well, if you wouldn't do that, and that's your body, why on earth will you let some of this filth into your home or into your minds when it's affecting your soul? These kind of shows they make, they'll make a show where a lot of it's good, one or two mortal sins, and it's set up by design. We've got to be serious about following our Lord. Our minds and souls are infinitely more important than our bodies, and we don't want to be duped into thinking we're tough enough. What did our Lord say? Fear ye not them that can kill the body and are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him that can destroy both soul and body in hell. If we're worried we wouldn't eat rat poison, we shouldn't let that kind of stuff in our eyes, ears, or homes. To reduce and eliminate as much as possible worldly influences our lives in our lives, especially those from the worldly media. Third enemy, the flesh. There's three points to remember we're talking about the flesh, and that's our own bodies. Mortification, prayer, and staying occupied. Mortification, prayer, and staying occupied. First point, mortification. St. Augustine, great doctor of the church, a fantastic saint, but a man who, as we all know, also had some terrible problems with chastity as a young man. Terrible problems. St. Augustine gives some very good advice. Please listen carefully. St. Augustine, we have to realize that sins against chastity are often, very often, the result of repeated indulgences of our senses. Parents, did you hear that? Let me repeat that. We have to realize that sins against chastity are very often the result of repeated indulgences of our senses. What is St. Augustine saying? He's saying that if you spoil your kids with constant snacks and sweetness and eating between meals and whatever they like, you're endangering his purity. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to need heroic purity to make through the cesspool that we're descending into, and I mean descending. Back to St. Augustine. We have to realize that sins against chastity are very often the result of repeated indulgences of our senses. And since the body 
is always rebellious in its tendencies, we must keep it in a state of habitual subjection by chastising it with our mortifications. If we do not wish to make our body our slave, it will inevitably enslave us. If we do not wish to make our body our slave, it will inevitably enslave us. Well, look around at the society we live in. Are people's bodies their slaves, or are they the slaves of their bodies? We need to make mortification a part of our daily life. What did our Lord say? Unless you do penance, you shall surely perish. It's just flat, cut, and dry. Set yourself a goal. Every day, three small acts of mortification. Three small acts every day, okay? That's mortification. Second point, prayer. Prayer is an essential aspect of conquering the flesh. Thanks to Adam, it's a rebellion against us. What prayers are the most powerful? The Holy Rosary and the three Hail Marys. They need to be part of everyone's daily life. The Blessed Mother wasn't bored in heaven and wondering what was going on in Portugal in 1917 and just thought she'd take a trip down. She came down to tell us to pray the rosary. Why? Because she knows what we need and she loves us. So if we don't do it, how dumb is that? Pray your rosary. It's a weapon. Padre Pio called it his weapon. He'd say 65 whole rosaries every day. I don't know how he did it. He's St. Padre Pio. But we can say five decades every day, huh? The three Hail Marys. They work not only for purity, but you can ask the Blessed Virgin for help with any other virtue that you need to grow in or any other vice you need to conquer. Or if there's a temptation, you say those three Hail Marys in the morning and at night. And if you want to up the ante, you kneel on your fingers like this. You put your fingers, your hands on the floor like so, and then you kneel right there on the fingers. Of course it'll hurt. You're doing that twice a day, now you've got two out of your three mortifications. You can do it for three Hail Marys. It's probably not going to cripple you, and it'll help you out. And she knows, hey, he's serious about this, okay? All right. Third point, stay busy. Everybody knows that expression, the devil makes work for idle hands. That's not a joke. It is the teaching of the fathers of the church that for every one devil that tempts a busy man, there are a whole legion of devils tempting an idle man. One devil tempts the busy man, a legion of devils tempts the idle man. We have to stay busy with useful thought and useful labor. Lounging around is asking for trouble. Stay busy. And you kids, mind your folks. This is important. It isn't just important because it's obedience. It's important that keeps the devils away. You folks have something for you to do, doggone it, do it. Okay, now we've taken a quick look at how to conquer the devil. Calling on the precious blood, using holy water, the crucifix, the rosary, St. Michael prayer, blessed candle, blessed salt. We've taken a quick look at how to conquer the evil influence of the world, especially by eliminating our intake of worldly images from the media. We've taken a quick look how to conquer the flesh. Three small mortifications every day. Prayer, especially the rosary, and the three Hail Marys. And we have to stay busy. Overall, of course, we have to have a serious sacramental life. Regular confession, preferably at no more than two-week intervals, not only cleanses us of a sin, it keeps us thinking right, but gives us the grace to conquer our particular failings. And if we're suffering a temptation, although it's not strictly matter for confession, 
that fathers and doctors of church teach you, you can mention you're suffering from a particular temptation, you will get grace automatically by doing that in confession to help fight that one off. Okay, we also need to get serious about making fervent communion. With good thanksgivings after you've gone to communion, we beg our Lord for the graces we need, so desperately need, to conquer our enemies and get to heaven. One distinct advantage here is it takes longer to go to communion, and I mean that. You have plenty of time to make a thanksgiving where you don't have to be distracted. You have the time to sit there, put your head on the back of the pew, and talk to our Lord about what you need. That's why he's coming to you. He doesn't need anything. He's God. He's already got it all. He's there for us, and he's coming in communion for us to grow in communion, or to grow in holiness. And if we don't ask him for what we need, so much loss to us. One communion should make us a saint. There's no lack in Him. And if you're not a saint after your first communion, it's a, a fault in you. I can say that. I'm not preaching at you. We have to talk to Him and ask Him what we need. Okay. To the degree we make these kind of practices part of our daily life, that very degree will have an easier and easier time growing in wholeness and fighting off temptations. All right, quick review. What do we do when we're attacked? Precious blood wash our ring, protect me from the wicked snares of the devil. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, Saint Marie Goretti, guardian angel, help me. We change the image in our mind to, we put a new image in our imagination of something pleasurable and good, probably Montana. Precious blood wash over me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, Saint Marie Goretti, guardian angel, help me. Change the image in our mind. You young people, get serious now. Lay a good foundation now. Get good habits now. Don't wait till you've had a wreck to try to learn how to do these kind of things. It's a lot easier becoming a saint if you spend your life like St. John than if you spend your life like St. Augustine or St. Mary Magdalene. Grow in virtue now. Start right now in these little practices. Keep the devil out of your life. Conquering sin. It's a lot easier if you get these habits now. When you're tempted, say, Precious blood wash over me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria Goretti, help me change what you're thinking about. Precious blood wash over me. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, St. Maria Goretti, guardian angel, help me change what you're thinking about.